All right, John, it's game week. It's officially game, game week. week. Sunday night, yeah. 7.30 p.m. when we're recording this. We're six yeah. days away. Six days away. college football. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Well, college football, the season's already begun. But I need me some some actual real football. I need, I need me some K-State football without a doubt. Oh, my gosh. I, I am so ready for it, especially just a, a packed Bill Snyder family stadium. There, there's just nothing like it. Just so like the... can, we, can we just get the season started already? I mean, I, I mean, I, I just kind of want to get this this game over with because one, I'm just tired of all the hype, and two, it's yeah. South Dakota as well. So, but nonetheless, man, I I'm re- I'm just ready. Yeah, I mean, you got to take every opponent seriously, John. Just uh, remember that. But uh, before we get into any sort of content, just to remind you that we're going to be posting every day, Monday through Thursday. Um, so you're going to want to make sure to tune into that. And you can find all the episodes by following us on Twitter at ShakenBlake312. Um, and then this Friday, when we go live on Wildcat 919 from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., we'll be doing some uh, buy or sell for uh, some. I'll come up with the spiciest. K-State takes, and we'll see if we can get John to vehemently disagree with me and create some content. And then we'll also do some like uh, opening game trivia. So if you'd like to take our other trivia things that we've done in the past, uh, you can find them at sparkle.com. The links will be in the description of this episode. So gotta, uh, j- go ahead. We got we to gotta create an intro to the trivia stuff and all. That's all right. Well, I've, I've tried a couple of different music things. I know one of them, like... The one I think did for the last one was maybe a little much. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I could definitely put together a little intro. Uh, I'll see. I'll, I'll have to work on that. But uh, yeah, got to spice things up a little bit. Anyway, John, um, before I know you have some thoughts on Northwestern versus Nebraska oh, and that whole spiel, but uh, let's just give some props to the K-State volleyball team at the K-State Invitational going 3-0, and um, only dropping one set the entire time which is a set they definitely should have won. They were up 19-13 the mm-hmm. first set against NC State and end up you know, dropping that set, I think 27-25. But looked yeah. really great the rest of the way. I was really impressed. Overall, it was – I mean, you could have had a vast for almost a perfect weekend for K-State. Um, you know, historically, K-State's always kind of dealt with five-setters against some, some ACC foes uh, in, in Manhattan recently. So it's great to see K-State – uh, finally get off a snide. Um, it, it just looked like a lot of great play all around, um, especially um, with Elena Baca, um, the, the, the uh, transfer from St. Mary's, getting some incredible playing time. I think that was one of the biggest landings uh, for Coach Susie Fritz and company uh, this offseason. And then you also had Sydney Bolding. Um, uh, she, she also had a, a, an impressive, uh, impressive showing as well. And you can't forget about Leah Carter. She's she is really the flagship for this for this team. But uh, nonetheless, great um, overall, just great performances all around. Flor and then the Florida A and M one, you, uh, Florida A and M game. You got a lot of the young players getting opportunities to play some volleyball as well. Yeah, that Florida A and M game was extra dominant, and especially nice to be dominant in three games like that. When in the exhibition game, you have a little five setter. That probably shouldn't have been a five-setter, but, you know, yeah. it is what it is. So, uh, with that, let's go ahead and get into some Week Zero calls, specifically oh. Northwestern Nebraska. John, I mean, like, uh, I don't know what to say. There's – there's Nebraska was 13-point favorites. Northwestern was one of the worst football teams ever last year. You're up 14 nothing, 
there's so many, so many things that are just like, what, what is, what is going on? Man, why, why would Adrian do this? Why would would Adrian do this? Those Uh, memes were so great. But Northwestern led for only 17 minutes and 22 seconds, twice by only 11 points, but they still handled Nebraska and, and, and make, and they gave Scott Frost another close loss. I mean, Nebraska, they lost three straight season openers, uh, two of which against teams from the state of Illinois. Uh, they're, they're now five and one and uh, no, sorry, excuse me, five and 21 and one possession games under Scott Frost. Last, last, oh. year, last year, all nine of Nebraska's losses were by single digits. Well, I take, well, not, not all nine, uh, eight of them. Ohio State beat Nebraska by nine, um, but Nebraska, they jumped out to an early 14-3 lead before Northwestern fought back to take a 17-14 lead end of a break. Um, but Nebraska, they came, it looked like, it looked as if Nebraska was about to jump over um, one of her humps and is responding in the second half. And it looked as if they were going to do so. Back-to-back drives, Nebraska comes out guns blazing with Casey Thompson um, and company, uh, they scored. Uh, they scored another touchdown and really hold Northwestern from com- from converting at all. Then once again, Nebraska uh, scores another touchdown. I believe Anthony Grant for the Huskers scored back to back on those last two drives. So everything was looking perfect for Nebraska. All rainbows, flowers. What does Scott Frost do? He decides to do the onside kick. Let, let's get a little creative, I, I suppose. So, so you take an you, you take the onside kick, like midway through the third quarter, and you give Northwestern not only tremendous field possession but ultimately the turning point, because it looked as if Northwestern's offense has stalled back back um, back beyond the fifty yard line, but Northwestern eventually was in was in Nebraska territory at the fifty yard line. And they seized that opportunity considering how awful, like how god-awful the Nebraska defensive line was. I mean, Northwestern eventually uh, came back with 313 passing yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I believe Ryan Haliski was their quarterback. He completed 27 of 38 passes. Thompson, uh, Casey Thompson, I should say, went 25 for 42, 355 yards through the air, one touchdown and two picks. But ultimately, but ultimately, this came down to uh, who who was it mainly came down to who was still who was still fighting through Northwestern. They were just ground and pound the entire for the rest of the game. I mean, like they had twelve consecutive plays running it down the middle, and there was not a single thing Nebraska could do defensively to to try and prevent that from happening. So ultimately. I mean, for for Nebraska's sakes, this isn't about any mediocre Big Ten team beating Nebraska. This is Nebraska typically beating themselves when it comes to the turnovers, stuff like that. I mean, it just it just creates ultimately disaster. And then on top of that, one of Nebraska's wins last year, they were three and nine, and with Adrian Martinez as a cornerback, one of their wins last year was against Northwestern. And they dominated Northwestern last year, 56 to 7. You have eight months to prepare, and then you take the long road trip to Dublin, Ireland, and then you crap the bed against Northwestern. And, I, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Northwestern, but that, I mean, but 
Nebraska should have dominated them, and instead Scott Frost just has to do Scott Frost things. I mean, th- this really was the, the ultimate, like, uh, this was the game that was going to determine the future of Scott Frost. I don't, I, don't see, I don't see him lasting very long in Nebraska. I think it's more of a win more instead of an if. Uh, now for Scott Frost uh, in terms of staying at uh, how long he's going to stay at Nebraska. Yeah, I'm just, first of all, that was great, John. Thank you for all your input. I need to hear that stat again. Scott Frost is five and 21 in one possession games. Yep. Oh my gosh. Five and 21. That's terrible. I mean, he obviously has nine losses last year from that, which is a bit unfortunate, but uh, I mean, so Scott Frost press conference after He's basically just like, you know, you know, in hindsight, you know, when stuff doesn't work, you know, you want to have it back, which that's a whatever. Yeah. Great comeback, Scott. And then he's talking about how he wants to be, you know, wants the team to play more aggressive and that, you know, at that point in the game, he was feeling really good and he just wanted to really, you know, put the cherry on top and end the game. This is like how a fourth grader plays Madden. Like when you're up 28, 17 in the third quarter, you just want to get the ball back. So you're just going to onside kick, screw it. And sure, I mean, what are the consequences going to be? It's a Madden game. But this is college football, dude. You're making a ton of money to help this team win games, and you're onside kicking in the third quarter when you're up 28-17. Ah, oh, just uh, – he, he's, he's done at the end of the season. No I mean, that, that was just an ultimate clown, clown move by, by Scott Frost. There's no other way to put it. Um, I mean – you you could have you could have stalled Northwestern back like back of a twenty or thirty yard line, and maybe come up with a stop or so because Northwestern's offense, well they were getting a lot of great connections here and there, like they weren't exactly the, the best offense. But when you give Northwestern the type of field they were able to work with, I mean that ultimately smelled disaster. And then add to the fact that Nebraska's defense all around. It was god-awful. And then at the end, Casey Thompson suddenly becomes Nebraska Adrian Martinez 2.0 and gets a lot more tight and and gets a lot more uncomfortable under pressure when the pocket collapses. Northwestern really took the advantage defensively. Um, And, and of of course, you got to wrap, you got to wrap the game up with an interception because I mean, what that's, that's Nebraska football at this point, Not, not only an interception, but like an interception where it bounces off the defense or the, yeah. uh, the the wide receiver's hands and like just goes right into the hands of a Northwestern defender. It just could not be more Nebraska. Yes, and 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 the, and, the, and the, exactly that's another factor. Nebraska has no receiving corps. Well, I mean they got receiving corps, but they got none who can like really guide Nebraska to winning. Outside of like Casey Thompson's miraculous throw. Um, I think that was like back over at the 20 to 30 yard line. He was just scrambling like Bo Nix out there. Um, he just launches one one deep ball and some somehow uh, he finds a guy over there. It's like it's like the effort, the guys over there somewhere type of throw. And then and then since that from there and the outside kick, things have just fall, fallen off for Nebraska. I mean, it, it's just an it's just unbelievable with with how they were able to just completely screw themselves um they, they become the first how about this for a step they become the first major conference team in the ap pool era which goes back to 1936 to lose seven straight games by single digits i mean it's just ugh. 
yeah, as a Husker fan, how how can you how can you live like this? I mean, <laughs> it, it's just absolutely absurd. And now you're gonna have K State fans just absolutely coming up on you because you thought all your problems. Oh, Adrian Martinez, we got rid of him. Oh, we got some new coaching changes. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna dominate the big the Big Ten West now. Next thing you know, you crap the bed in Dublin, Ireland. You should you should you might as well should just leave Scott Frost uh, over in Ireland. Uh, at this point, I mean, th- th- this was just, this was just embarrassing. But I, I believe I did hear um, that the contract buyout is going to uh, decrease once when um, October arrives. Um, so for Scott Frost, I mean, the seat, the seat is like burning hell at this point. I mean, there's no other way to to recover. I mean, uh, unless they have two cupcakes, North Dakota and Georgia Southern. They'll get away with two easy wins, but they gotta beat Oklahoma at home now, and that's gonna be no easy task. I mean, if Scott Frost wants to remain at at Nebraska, they they have to start winning these big games and win convincingly instead of losing so many close games. Yeah, I mean, for Scott Frost to keep his job, he's probably gotta at least be at least seven and five, and at least with one like huge upset against like an Oklahoma, I don't know what big 10 teams they're playing, but some, you know, like a Michigan, Michigan, Ohio state type of upset. Uh, so I, like you said, it's burning hot. So but the, good thing, the good thing for Nebraska, they're not playing Ohio state this year and uh, in, in their, in their schedule, but besides from Oklahoma starts off really easy with uh, their big 10 schedule, at least starts off pretty easy with records in Indiana as well. Two, uh, just two more games in which you're not able to afford a loss right there. But uh, ultimately, I think that, I think this one's writing the, the writing on the wall is right there. And uh, I mean, you you make you make clown decisions like that onside kick, you're going to you're going to pay for it. And that's exactly what what Nebraska has been selling themselves on is just stupid mistakes here and there. I mean, it, it was just an ultimate disaster. Yeah, I mean, it really was. John, uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then we can handle our first big question we got for game week of K-State football, talking about uh, what K-State football means to us and kind of just generally what makes college football so great. And we're back, John, here to answer our first big question. Uh, what does K-State football mean to you? Um, I'll go ahead and start off this a little bit, just kind of talking generally. I mean, what do you think was like your first experience with K-State football? I want to I want to say I have been to a few games back in around 2008. Um, kind of like the final few days in the Ron Prince era. And ultimately, I, I wasn't too... Uh, I wasn't too attracted to K-State football at the time, um, but I would probably say the first time where it really hit me, you would probably have to go back to Iowa State back in 2009 in Kansas City, have Cardinal and gold on one side of the field, have purple and white on the other side of the field. And, and, what, I, and what I saw over there was an absolute classic. Um, what, whatever it was, um, Greg, uh, uh, Gregory up the – the quarterback um you also have brandon banks back there uh, oh yeah back then as well and um i mean that was just an ultimate back and forth battle and that ultimately was like all right i can get behind this and then 
it, it didn't take me a while to to realize until a little bit then how much Bill Snyder has meant to K-State and not, not only to the, to, the, to the university as well, but to the city of Manhattan, because, I mean, you got to look at this back in, the, back in the 80s, Manhattan was, well, K-State especially was not in a good position. I mean, they were, they were bottom, bottom, bottom of the big eight every year. They were poised to, to enter D- division two at some point or cut their football program. They were just not in a good spot. And, and ultimately, you, you are going to have a lowering uh, enrollment as well, which is not going to help out the, um, the, the university as a whole as well. Uh, but Bill Snyder, he was really the one that, that brought the K-State favor, K-State football flavor um, to us every single Saturday um, in the fall, whether it's season openers, rivalry games, bowl games. I mean, K-State fans show up every day. And for me, it's all about smelling the, smelling the tailgates, hearing the marching band perform, uh, and then just playing some good old football as well. I mean, that, that, is, that for, for me is what makes K-State great. And it's really the, the amazing atmospheres you get to see every Saturday, as well as, when, as well as the people you get to experience it all with as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, uh, one of the first memories I have is I think like maybe like five or six, just very vaguely just being at a football game and being very confused. I had like, I just did not know what well, I was so confused by touchdowns. And like, I was like, how much is a touchdown worth an extra points? You know, we've all been there, but um, I think the first like real memory I have is probably around like 2010 when like Carson Kaufman and Colin Klein were kind of in a quarterback battle. Um, I think there's a game where, um, Klein was starting the game. I think it was, might've been against Texas tech or Texas A&M, but it was where like the first half, we just didn't pass the ball in the first half, Colin Klein and Daniel Thomas almost had like all of our scrimmage yards. It was kind of insane, but yeah, that's kind of like the first memory I have. I was also at the, um, 2011 game opener against Missouri state where, Yeah, well, we barely won 10 to 7. Oh, that, that was um, Eastern Kentucky. It was Eastern, Eastern Kentucky? Kentucky? Oh, sorry. Well, anyway. Yeah, we played Missouri State for year, the year after that. Oh, okay. That's, I, I kind of got that mixed up. But, yeah, I was just like, man, we're going to suck so bad. Like, we couldn't barely beat Eastern Kentucky. Like, we scored with, like, two minutes left on a Chris Harper touchdown. But, <laughs> anyway, I mean, I think generally to me, John. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. It kind of blew it. I mean, I was like, and 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 later we beat we suddenly beat beat Miami out here, and we just went sky skyrocket afterwards. Dang yeah, it, I'm sorry for a second. 2011 is a podcast within itself. That year was so insane. You just, <laughs> every single game is just amazing. There are so many amazing games in that season. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I, I think K State football has kind of just taught me that like anything is possible just if you put in the work and you work hard. I mean, K State's never been a team to get five star players. We're always making, you know, taking JUCO guys who are really, you know, high character guys really work on their butt off. And we turn them into a really, you turn into a really good freaking football program. And it's truly inspiring. And there's no other team that I would rather root for. I mean, this is like, I, I mean, I think even like other schools just have so much respect for us because of just, you know, what, what can do so much with so little. And it's like, we're like the antithesis of Texas, which I think is, you know, one of the highest praises any team can have. 
like exactly what you said. I mean, K-State was pretty much built um, in the Bill Snyder era as more, more with like more results with less players um, to, to really work with, like compared to the likes of Texas, um, Oklahoma, Nebraska. I mean, like they were completely like massive football juggernauts at the time. And K-State back in the 90s and early 2000s, I mean, they were, I mean, like they were hanging in there with, with Nebraska, Oklahoma every single year. And the amount of, the amount of hard work that Bill Snyder not only puts towards his players on, on the field, but he also puts, uh, he also gives a lot of emphasis towards the off the field uh, commitments as well. I mean, that's how, that's how the football players become better every, every single day, day to day. Uh, you went on the field and you went off the field as well. You just felt better. Uh, you just felt better football, better football players and better human beings um, the way he does. And um, ultimately, I mean, it, it's it, it's also the blue collar like type of commitments. It's going to be hard work day in and day out. You're not going to have too many too many snobby attitudes that you're going to get at the likes of Texas or USC. And it's going to ultimately bring you down. You're going to have players that want to win um, at the highest level, and for K State to compete with some of the higher, to compete with some of the best of the best um, throughout the years. I mean, that's it's just a really cool sight to see, and just a, amazing to see how K State's been able to keep up with a lot of these high-level um, programs. Yeah, one of my, you know, one of my favorite parts of the uh, Miracle in Manhattan documentary is when that first winter after um, um, Snyder gets hired and they're going through winter workouts and they're just talking about how hard it is, how, you know, everybody's throwing up and they're sweating. Oh, obviously they're sweating, but you know, it was just, it was just so brutal, but you know, Snyder just really instilled the winning attitude in all of these players. He didn't care how bad they'd been, you know, the past 50 years or anything like that. He just, he just knew how to, you know, get these guys to work hard and give them that winning attitude. And once they survive that, I mean, they felt like they could survive anything. And then they obviously, you know, saw, you know, they obviously had the uh, last second touching against North Texas, where I definitely just bawled my eyes out when they played that part in the documentary. Oh, that was so good. You know, John, what other thing you mentioned before that I kind of want to bring up, you talked about kind of new here in the marching band and the smells of the tailgate and everything. I think K-State has one of the best fan experiences when you're at the game as well. I mean, you know, the Pratt of this house video they play every time just gives yes. me chills, mm-hmm. you know, all, all the hype videos are just so awesome. Every, you know, all the different events with Harley day and Fort Riley day, everything the marching band does and the hard work they put in. I mean, their days are extremely, extremely long. I mean, at, at K-State HGTV, John, we sh- usually for football games, if it's a 6 PM game, we usually show up at like noon, which is really early. That's a long day, right? The, ba- the marching band has probably already been there since like 10 AM. I mean, they've worked so hard during that. They to put on a great show. I'll just props up to them all around. I could never do that. It's just, it's, it's so much work, but anyway, I mean, just everything from the different events in between to the song of the second half and getting fan interaction. I mean, it's just overall just such a great experience and, you know, being able to get so many fans there and I just have Bill Snyder family stadium rock. And there's, there's nothing like it, John, nothing like it. It's funny that you mentioned the song of a second half. Every time I, every time I think of a song of a second half, I, I, I think of the, um, of last year's game when we faced Oklahoma, like some of the options were money related. Like I think one of his songs was like, go on, take the money and run, <laughs> which that referenced like Oklahoma taking the money and yeah. going to the SEC. But 
I mean, that, that, that was pretty funny, like just something that I, that I just thought about. But um, I mean, the, the, like none of this would have been possible back back in the 1980s, especially with um, with with all this stuff that was happening with the football program. I mean, how ran down the facilities were as well. I mean, but the weight room was it was nowhere near to, to what it was today. I mean, like that. I mean, it's even probably considered worse than some of the Division two teams we're seeing today. And the fact that Bill Snyder has been able to get people behind um, people behind this football program, opportunities to make to make this program that was once um, back in the dead um, just raise back up, and with that came not only a lot, a lot of success but a lot of donors as well to help um, raise the standard when it comes to um, providing to some of the top facilities in the Big Twelve. I mean. I, and I know, and I know for the most part, like like going back to 2013, uh, but, but the West Stadium Center, of course, you, a lot of people are going to say, oh, okay, it's John Curry. I mean, it's John Curry, uh, not not really a people's guy, but he he's he did a lot for K State when it comes to to the facilities, and really since then, I mean, K State has just continued to pour money towards all the facilities to compete at the highest level. I th I think that from from my vantage point is also really cool. And it just further enhances um, the, the overall game day atmosphere uh, and, and really just get, brings everybody closer and, and more together as, as one true family. Yeah, I mean, this is a college football town. You know, I don't know what, I don't know what this, this Manhattan, Kansas would look like if we were just absolutely terrible at football. It's, it would be just so weird. Um, I think that's a good place to end it, John. I think this was a good conversation to kind of, you know, reminisce about all the things that make K-State football great. So, uh, you know, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at ShakenBlake312, and we will see you tomorrow. We will talk about Colin Klein's great game against LSU and whether it was a fluke or a sustainable uh, offensive output. Oh, wait. Oh, Cats by 90. <laughs> Cats by 90. <laughs>